Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. My goal this morning is to give to you what I believe the Lord has given me for you. And uh, we've been um, talking about something the last several weeks that I've really, has, really, um, has really gone deep into the well of our hearts. I believe many people have been um, just ministered to by the topic of this message alone. But people have come to me and said, you know, that, that word was important. I'm, I, I appreciate it. And, and those, are, those are words of affirmation that I appreciate, and I give glory to God for that, because the biggest thing we can do here as believers is to hear from heaven, yes? And that's not just my job, that's all of us. We all have to hear from heaven what's available for us. And that's the biggest piece of what we're doing here as a church. And for those of you that are new, first time, whether you're streaming online for the very first time or here presently, uh, welcome to you um, we're so glad you're here. My name is Tony Cruz, and I get to pastor some of the most amazing people in North Central Pennsylvania. Uh, and with this church, God is doing something really special, and he's showing them, uh, each of us, he's showing each of us the truth about how we oftentimes don't realize how important it, it is to know who you are in Christ. Yes? To know who you are in Christ affects everything that we do because it, it, it talks about the essence of who we are. And so the last several weeks, the first week we were talking about, and it's all the topic of the orphan spirit, the first one was um, the, the casualties of an orphan spirit and some of the things that happened, and we talked about the traits and, uh, of an orphan spirit. And then last week we begin to talk about how the orphan spirit oftentimes, in a lot of ways, uh, has has uh, has need to be overcome. We have to push through that because it's not just going to church is going to fix all the orphan spirits. Now, some of you may go, what is an orphan spirit? It's someone who has not identified who they are in Christ and has not realized that we have a Father in heaven who loves us more than any earthly person could. Are you with me? And so... We've been talking about that love of God, and so what happens is many people don't know how to overcome. So those of you who have not been uh, here the last several weeks or got a chance to listen to the podcast, I implore you, please go back, listen to these last two weeks, because I believe it leads strongly up to this week um, and this third part, and I believe to be the final part of this Orphan Spirit series, uh, I am his carrying the spirit of adoption. If we've identified the way we were, how many know that we have to realize then where we're going and what we need to adopt into our lives today, yes? Because we can easily look at all of our wrongs. How many know somebody that does anything wrong? Don't look at your spouse. Don't point at anyone in your row. Right? We, we can all really realize what we've done wrong or what somebody else has done wrong. But here's what we come to as believers, what we have to realize, we have to go a direction and carrying that spirit of adoption is very, very important. 
So carrying the spirit of adoption means understanding instead of the orphan spirit that has no identity in Christ, has no Abba Father, has no Father in Heaven realization, to the person that says, I was adopted. He looked at me, knew exactly what was wrong with every bit of me, and yet still loved me just as I am. He looked at us and said, I see you, I see your gifts, I see your failures, I see your promises, I see your f- everything that has gone wrong, your faults, your miscues, your sin, yet I still want you, come, I adopt you as my own. And so Romans chapter 8, follow with me if you could, Romans chapter 8 talks about the spirit of adoption and what that looks like and what that means for all of us here today. Let me put this here. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. Everyone turn there if you would. Romans chapter 8. And we look at Romans and we realize that Romans, can, can I tell you something? Romans, the whole book is like, It's like a Bible in and of itself. The unbelievable amount of topics that Romans covers is is beyond belief. But chapter 8 hits on uh, several verses, 14, 15, 16, and 17 that I'm going to read to you right now. Who's with me? Okay. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. I shared this verse with the team this morning as we prayed for you. I don't know if you know this, but at 8.30, every Sunday morning, we gather here, our leadership and some of the worship team and various people that come in early, we pray for you. And I shared this verse, and I shared what I'm about to share a little bit, just a nutshell of this, is that there's so much in these several verses that mean so much to believers if you really understood it. And here's what it's talking about. Here's the nutshell of it. Because you are believers, you are adopted as sons and daughters. How many got that much so far? Okay, that's pretty, uh, I think most people understand that God has taken us into himself. But then it says something interesting. And if children then heirs, now he's given us not just authority in the now, but authority in the future. To believe, to believe and trust and receive more blessings than we ever imagined. So he's looking for, toward the future for your blessing as well. And then he says, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Then he goes on to say, provided we suffer with him, we will also be glorified with him. How many know that God doesn't allow you to go through suffering for no purpose? Some of us go like, some of us don't understand. We say, man, I'm going through so much in my life right now and I don't understand why. How many have ever been through that before? 
right? I don't understand why. We've all been through that. There's not a single person hearing me right now that hasn't went through something and you said, why me? I didn't do anything. Well, the, the truth is that God has never wasted a single bit of pain, not a single trial, not a single thing in your life without saying, not only will you suffer with me, but you will be glorified with me. He says, I will then bring you alongside me and I will, not, not that he will share his glory, but he will, he will bring glory upon your life and he will j- bring you joy and peace and the things that the world cannot offer. Is that true? There are things that God will offer you. So the deepest and strongest foundation of the Christian faith is that God adopted broken people like you and me, beautifully broken humans. Who's a beautifully broken human? If you're not believing that you're beautiful, you're at least beautifully broken. You know what beautifully broken is? When something breaks, but it breaks perfectly, and you can glue it. Unbeautifully broken is when it shatters and there's no way to put it back together. Did you know that God can put you together? You are beautifully broken today. And that's, that's the good news here today. Listen, I got nothing but good news for you today. That you are beautifully broken. Now you say, I'm, but I'm still broken. But you're beautifully broken. God has set you up to be beautifully broken. Why? Because he's going to beautifully put you back together and only he will receive the glory for it. So watch this. The the New Living Translation has a great uh, way of putting Galatians chapter 4 together. And it's a central part of the gospel statement. Watch this now. Galatians 4 verses 4 and 5 says this. But when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom. Come on somebody. How many ever went to the store to buy milk? How many ever went to the store to buy bread? God sent the son to buy freedom. That's a lot better than bread and milk. He sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Now watch this. He sent him to set us free so that we can become children. We were not available. If you look at the verse as it stands, we were not available to be children until he did that. Look at the verse. Look how it's written. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt. Therefore, because Jesus came, beautifully broken you, wonderful Savior, Savior comes down, sets us free, and gives God the Father the opportunity to adopt you and me into his family. That's good news, friends. That's good news. Listen. God sent it to buy freedom for us because we were slaves to the law. God did not have to use his son to do this. And that's the beauty of grace. But in order for us to be forgiven once and for all, it had to be the spotless lamb. And only Jesus can do that. What I say he didn't have to, meaning he, didn't, he wasn't forced to set you free. He wanted to set you free. And guess what? Jesus wanted to go to the store to buy you freedom. 
He wanted to. He could not have stayed with the language of the earth. You know, that earthly adoption, that, that's a, it's an interesting concept because we are, oftentimes we look at the scriptures as these are his children and these are the people that are lost. But we, what we don't realize is those that are not born his children, those that are not born his people, God has said, I want to adopt you too. Right? So we look at the scriptures and we see Israel, and I talked a little bit about this last week. Israel is known as God's chosen people. But if you're not uh, Israeli, if you're not born Jewish, then you're like, man, is there any hope for me? God says, listen, there's hope for you. Just come to me and I will adopt you as one of my own children. And guess what? You will be given favor and the same reward and the same inheritance as those that are born my children. Isn't that good news? But listen, the spirit of adoption doesn't come for free. It costs someone something. Just like the stuff that you get for free costs somebody something somewhere. Are you with me? So let's take, let's take a good look about the truths about the spirit of adoption. Because we're, if we're carrying the spirit of adoption, we have to know what we're talking about and understand where it came from. So number one, watch this. Number one, God, God adopting us costs him something. Did you know that God adopting you cost him something? He's given us redemption. What is redemption? Redemption means to obtain or to set free by paying a price. Right? To be redeemed means to be set free by paying a price. What was the price that God paid for our liberation and so that we could be adopted? Well, we find out in Galatians chapter 3 something very interesting. It says in Galatians 3.13, for those of you that don't have it, it's on the screen right here. Magically appeared. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Did you know that you were supposed to be cursed and you were supposed to pay your own debt in order for you to be set free? But you couldn't. Your debt was too big. You could not pay it. So the only one that can come was Christ. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on the pole. And there was Jesus hanging. And he died naked and ashamed for you and for me. It cost God the price of his son. And friends, that's not just an Easter story. That's a Christian story. That's the story of our heart. That's the story of the gospel. If we don't have Jesus on the cross, we don't have life more abundantly. If it wasn't for that cross, he paid the ultimate price. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, a virgin woman, by the way, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law. And you know what he said? You're no longer subject to the law. You're subject to me. I fulfill the law. Now come to me. And you know what he says to you? If you've been looking for hope and answers, come to me. For I will give you answers. I will give you Joy. No, no, no. That doesn't mean nothing will go wrong. But you can have joy when chaos is around you. Hello? How many know what I'm talking about? 
You could have joy. You could have peace even when stuff is blowing up everywhere. It looked like your life is like the beach in Normandy. I mean, bombs going off, bullets flying everywhere. Like your life is constant attack. But guess what? You could still have peace. Why? Because Christ became a curse for you and for me. It cost someone something. Come on, tap your neighbor real quick and remind them. It cost God something. It cost God something. In order for righteousness to be declared, punishment was demanded. Someone had to be punished. Someone had to be cursed. And Jesus said, I'll do it. In other words, that loan or debt that you could, that you could not pay was paid by his death for you and for me. I'm grateful for that, friends. And because of that death, because of that sacrifice, I am adopted into his family. God adopted a Puerto Rican kid from the Bronx. He did. He did. That's why he's Jesus to me. <laughs> Little culture joke. It's okay. Number two, God adopted all of me and all of you. He didn't pick and choose the parts he wants. Listen, I'll pick you, but guess what? You're going to have to get this done and this done and get this right and then get that. How many ever tried, How many ever went to buy a house and you were like, okay, I'm going to put in a bid, but certain things have to be done before I purchase the house. How many never done that before? Some of you are like, no, I rent. That's it. And I don't want to touch a house. But listen, I remember when we, uh, when we went and we bought our very first home. And uh, we were about to buy, and, you know, the, the inspection went through. They were like, well, this is, needs this done, and that needs done, and that needs done. So, okay, so here's the deal. We will buy this house with that, for that amount, for this amount, whatever, if this and this and this gets done. Know what I'm talking about? Right? So I will do that if this and this and this gets done. You know that Jesus chose you. God chose you. Let's be more specific. God chose you to adopt you without doing these checklists. He said, I take you just as you are, beautifully broken. I know. <laughs> beautifully broken, just as you are. I know that there's, a, there's an issue here. I know there's a problem over here. I know there's a, this is a problem area. There's some spiritual asbestos up here. <laughs> right? I don't know that that was ever said from this pulpit before, spiritual asbestos, but it is now. First time for everything. Right? You say, well, that's appropriate because I ate spiritual uh, paint chips as a kid, so that worked out. <laughs> but God has adopted all of you. Watch this, Romans 8, 15, and 16. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. The, Christ, uh, the Christian Standard Bible says, instead you re received the spirit of adoption. You know what God said? You did not just get uh, the, the world wants to offer you the spirit of fear. But God's like, no, 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 no. Put that to the side. I want to give you the spirit of adoption. I want you to walk with the spirit of adoption. And so we look at that six, verse 16. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. He's saying, get rid of the fear. Instead, take this. How many know we're living in a fearful world today? People trapped in their own minds. You can leave a place and still be trapped. 
Case in point, the, the people of Israel left Egypt, but they had still Egypt had not left them. They were still attached to the bondage mindset. They were never, never realizing like fully. A lot of them just wanted to just be physically free, but never wanted to be mentally or spiritually free. In fact, when Moses took too long on the mountain, they were like, let's go back. At least we will have food. At least we will know what to do next. (laughs) It's amazing how we're willing to run back into our bondage because we don't understand the present. We don't understand what God is doing. But God doesn't leave you in the condition in which he adopted you. He wants to grow you, teach you. He pours his spirit into our hearts and gives us the experience of knowing what true, biblical, unadulterated, unfiltered love looks like. God loves you with an everlasting love. No matter what you do, he's like, I love you. And he loves you today. So what's remarkable about the text here is that we look at Mark chapter 14, verse 36, when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he says this, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Can I share with you something? We look at this, we look at the Bible and there are three separate times, three. For those of you taking notes, you want to write these down. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Mark chapter 14, verse 36, the one on your screen, and in Galatians 4, 6. These are the the only found references to the Bible in three separate places in which all of the New Testament, only two speakers utter the words of this passage, Abba, Father. Now, why is that? Well, let me tell you why. In understanding this, that the word Abba was such a personal, relational term of endearment that many people did not see God as. They saw God as Lord, Creator, Sovereign being, and that's it. They never saw him as father. And even Jesus, when he prayed, he prayed, our father who is in heaven. That's, that's acceptable, but there was something about Abba, Father, that the word in and of itself, the word in and of itself is a, is a very intimate word in the New Testament Greek that people didn't use it. They just didn't because they didn't see God that way. And I'm afraid that we're living in a culture today, right now, that 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 term Abba Father, that term of endearment, that he's my, some of them say daddy, he's my deistic daddy, (laughs) uh, father in heaven. He is a personal father and cares about the things that we care about. So when, when Jesus is in the garden in the most trying moment of his entire life, do you realize that when Jesus was in the garden, that was probably the most heart-wrenching moments of his life? No, no, no. The, the cross was horrible. The cro- Listen, the cross was both physically 
and mentally and emotionally and spiritually. It was all those things. But to come to grasp that you're about to experience that was just as grueling. In so much that the Bible even talks about great drops of blood. And scientists have found out that, that our pores can actually, if we stress enough, we could actually bleed blood from our pores. Like it's scientifically proven. And here's Jesus in probably one of the most horrific moments where he realized he's going to be separate from the Father for the first time ever. So the anticipation became so much that great drops of blood, the Bible says, poured out of his pores. And so we look at that and we go, wow. Can you imagine what kind of stress that is? I thought the SATs were stressful. I thought my ordination process was stressful. When I'm sitting at a table with all these men of faith that have been, they've been, they knew Jesus longer than I've been alive. I'm sitting at this table. I thought that was stressful. No, 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 friends. When you realize that the, the one that you know as father is now going to have to turn his back on you for a moment while you take on the sins of the world. That is a hard moment to grasp. But he did that for you. And he did that, watch this, for all of you. All of you and all of you. I mean that in two ways. For every single one of you and every single bit of you. How many could say thank the Lord for that? That's love. Come on, that's good news, yes? All right, good. Because you clap, I'll move on. Number three, God, I would have moved on anyway, by the way. But number three, God adopted us, not just so that we can go, look at me, I'm adopted. But he adopted us so we can transform our lives. We allow him to transform our lives. But watch this, not just transform our lives, but to transform others. So watch this, Romans 8.14 gives us a great insight that we For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Now, not only are we children of God, but we become his children so that we can become part of his family and do what family does. To protect each other and love each other. And did you know that there's an enemy that doesn't like you? There's a Lucifer. There's a Satan. That's very real. He doesn't like you. He never has. He's been jealous since day one because he realizes you could do something he could never do. Watch this. Be redeemed. You can do something that the enemy cannot. Be redeemed. And for that, he hates your guts. But I revel in it that God loves me so much that he gave his son for me. The Spirit himself bears witness that we ourselves can be adopted and we can be, we can be called children and we can call him, watch this, Abba, Father. But when God adopted us into his family, we become heirs to the throne. Romans 4.13, let's put that up on the screen for a moment. Romans 4.13, clearly, 
God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. Listen, it wasn't just what he did, it's what he believed to be true. And James tells us that faith without works is dead. But then also, James turns around and says, you can't have a faith without doing something about it. Right? To do something and believe something is not one or the other, it's both. So you can't believe and not do, you cannot do and not believe. God is looking for believers to do both and be both. And so Romans 8, 17, the, the context that we, with Christ, are heirs, of God and namely we are been given access to watch this everything in the kingdom of heaven did you know that you have access to everything God has given you access to on this earth and so that means that when you want health and blessing on your family you can pray that way and God is giving you direct access to pray for your family how many pray for your family's health how many pray for your family's protection how many have children or, or know of children that pray that they can pass the test? Okay, so that faith is being, that's good. Because that faith is being injected on them. Lord, please help me to remember the things I never learned. <laughs> heavenly cheating is very appropriate right now. Because it's heavenly. I don't know about you, but I prayed that way, so not quite like that. Because I wanted to seem more holy. But Lord, help me to remember the things I never put in my brain which is strictly a miracle. Walking on water and that. Two very, very big miracles. Number four, and I'll end with this thought here. The last point is God pulled us out of a bad situation. (laughs) If we're going to learn the truth about the spirit adoption, we have to realize that um, it wasn't just Annie that had a hard knock life. All right, it was, it was those who had realized that in their lives, there's something that was so broken that only God can put together. We were in a bad situation. We were at a hard place. And so we were by nature, Ephesians tells us, objects of wrath. In other words, our life was so broken that we, we actually bring wrath in our direction. Wrath naturally comes our way. God did not find us like an abandoned, bundled up, beautiful barrel of joy in the front steps of a fire hall. We were broken, sinful, rebellious, and evil in our hearts. Wow, Pastor Tony, please say something better than that. Well, the truth is we hate sin, but we like what it can give us and make us feel like sometimes. We could say, I hate sin, but sometimes it's enjoyable. That's our flesh. That's what the flesh does. God says, I hate sin because it removes the spirit adoption away from the focus of my children and they forget who they are and they adopt the spirit of adopt, this, this, this orphan spirit. Watch this. This orphan spirit that is leaked into the church. And people not realizing who they are. Now listen to me closely. Listen, as I begin to just come around the corner here, I need us to realize that the orphan spirit has made its way into the churches. 
People don't realize who they are. And that's how the enemy does it. He does it from the back, back door. He sneaks and he tells you, you're not really worth it. You're not really who they say you are, are you? And he'll lie to you so you can buy the bait, take the bait. And God says you are every bit the thing I said you are because I said you are. Who you are is based on what he said, not what the enemy has declared over your life. It's who, what God has declared over your life. And we, while we were children of wrath, we now are children of the living God. We were objects of wrath. Now we objectively choose God as our father. And these are the ones God pursued in adoption, the broken and the beautiful. The distance between that where we are and where God is, is all one prayer away. You're one prayer away from saying, God, wherever I am right now, draw me closer so I can also have that spirit of adoption. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because there's no one in this room, no one listening to me, watching online, no one anywhere that can just pray a prayer and, 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 and God says, you know what? No. But if you have said, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life and I want you to come into my heart, he will come into your heart right now because he has accepted you just as you are. So let me recap for you real quickly. Number one, it's simply this, God, adopt, God adopting us cost him something, yes? Number two, God adopted all of me, all of me, and all of you. Number three, God adopted us for transformation. He wants us to be different. He doesn't want you to stay the way you are. He wants you to be different, and he has agreed to walk you through the process. And number four, God pulled us out of a bad situation. Romans 9, 4 says, there are people of Israel chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made them covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them privileges of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. But guess what? Then he turns around and says, not just them but whoever so wants me I will come into your heart and change your life forever that is the promise of the gospel and that deserves praise in the house come on somebody yes so God crossed the greatest sin barrier to redeem us and adopt us so consider to going across your biggest barrier the biggest struggle that you have whether it's you know what uh, I haven't been to church in a long time or maybe I'm just trying out church again because it's been a long time if God can take the biggest barrier of, of taking on listen you know he had to take on Gethsemane right he had to tackle Gethsemane why because he had to realize that he had to come to grips with that that he and the father while our one, at this moment, he wanted to cup, the cup to pass him. Let this cup pass from me. I don't, I don't want to go through this pain I'm about to go through. And yet, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. If he can cross that barrier, listen, we can cross the barriers that are in front of us today. There's not a single obstacle stopping you from knowing the Father. And just opening your mouth and saying, Abba, Father... Adopt me. I want to be your child. I accept that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for me, and I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. No one else. Look at me. 
No other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not any of those other gods. Can I tell you something? Not Joseph Smith, not any other word, not any other testament, not any other translation. It's God and his, God's son is the only one that can set you free because he died on the cross for you and for me. That is clearly what God did. And so Hosea tells us, when Israel was a child, I loved him and I called him a son out of Egypt. They were were enslaved and God called them out. So were you. You were enslaved and God called you out. God took a son from Egypt, enslaved and rebellious and out about his own business, and he set the captives free. Listen, if he can use Moses, he can use you. Moses had plenty of excuses. He can use you. We look at Moses and we go, wow, Moses, Moses. And you know what? Rightfully so. The man did what God called him to do. But he wasn't without faults and failures, was he? But God still used him. Did God know? Let me ask you this question. Did God know that he was going to fail? Did God use him? What's your excuse? None. None of us. Have an excuse. There's no excuse. All we have to say is, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. So watch this. Last two verses I want to read. Romans chapter 8. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. And we as believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. How many are long to be released from sin and suffering? Yes? For we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. Including, come on somebody, some of the seasoned saints know what what I'm talking about here. Including the new bodies. He has promised us. No more clicking and clacking. I heard it said recently and I can attest to this. My bones cracked so many times when I got off the couch. I I was disappointed to see that my leg wasn't glowing. Your glow stick, you get it? The glow stick. You ever been in that place where you're like, heavenly body, yes, Lord. Some of the young guys are like, no, I'm good. You've been in the Lord long enough, you're like, glorified body, yes, Lord. But this is what he's talking about. We too wait in eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights. Listen, I'm excited about glorified bodies. Some of you are like, it's hard to get more glorified than this. <laughs> well, God bless you. That's you. The rest of us need some glorified bodies. Hello? I get a lot of amens on that one. I said a lot of cool things in this service. Y'all said amen to that. Okay, I'll take it. But you know what's most important about that verse? And we're going to end with this. Watch this. You know what's the most important part of this verse? Is toward the end when he says, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children. 
He throws in the body part, but we look at the bodies and we're like, oh, yes, heavenly bodies. I, I would like to be glorifying God with a heavenly body one day. But you know what's most important? That we will then have all of the rights that God had given us one day when we stand before him. We will have our glorified bodies, but more importantly, we have all the rights of being called sons and daughters of the living God. Now, I shared something in week one that I just wanted to come back around full circle, and this is how we're going to end it. When we are operating in the spirit of adoption, and uh, I know maybe you can see it, maybe you can't, but we celebrate the accomplishments of others. When you start walking in the spirit of adoption, you don't compare yourself to other people. Just celebrate other people because God has called you to do a task. We experience acceptance. Look at me. You don't have to wait for other people to like you or accept you. God has already accepted you just as you are. We fill emotional voids with personal time with God. If you're struggling with filling a void, spend some time with God. He'll show you exactly how to fill that void or fill it for you. We serve others. We love ourselves. And last but not least, watch this. We're grounded in our identity in Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying to you today? We're going full circle because week one, I, I, I put this up there, but we didn't talk about it too much. I just put it as a precursor. And as I, because there's so much that God has in the several weeks been showing me, I'm like, I need to come back around and bring that back and say, listen, this is what the spirit of adoption looks like. This is how we need to walk as believers, celebrate and realize his acceptance, spend time with God, serve, love, and be grounded in the truth. That's what the spirit of adoption looks like. And if you find yourself like this slide makes sense to you and these thoughts make sense to you, you're closer than you ever imagined to the cross of Jesus. Now watch this. With every head bowed all the way across this room, those of you online, those of you listening, I want you for a moment to just realize that you are his. We are already adopted. If we know him and love him, we are adopted. And so here's the truth. There's not a single person in this place that you have accepted Jesus and God has said, no, you're not allowed to have the spirit of adoption because that's exactly what he wants to do with every person. And so if you're in this room and you're saying, you know what? I desire that spirit of adoption. If that's you, just stand at your seat. I'm not going to call you up. I'm just going to ask you to stand right where you are and say, I I want, I will choose today to adopt the spirit of adoption. I want the full experience of God in my life in every area. Not just my finances, not just my personal life, but I want it in my marriage. I want it in my personal time. I want it in everything that I do. Stand to your feet. I'm going to give you 30 seconds before I pray. Hallelujah. If that's you, stand to your feet. And I want to pray for every person that says, you know what? I want, to, I want to carry that spirit of adoption in my life. I want to carry that spirit of adoption in my life. And I will pray for you right now. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love every one of these people that have said and declared over their own lives today what you have declared thousands of years ago when you sent your son. That they are yours. I pray today that they would realize their identity in you. That they would celebrate other people and their giftings and abilities because they are sons and daughters as well. That they too would be accepted only needing your acceptance, not the acceptance of man. For the acceptance of man draws us into traps that we don't, we don't have any business being in. I pray today for the emotional voids that some of these individuals may have had once, but today they choose to take time with you, and we do that right now. We love you, Jesus. We love you, and we want to love you more. We take on that spirit of adoption by serving others. We take on that spirit of adoption by loving ourselves and realizing, Lord, I may not be perfect, but I'm yours. And creating an opportunity for worth within ourselves. Not that we're cocky or arrogant, but knowing that you have died for something worth dying for. So I have a reason. I have a hope and I have a purpose. And with that comes the idea that we are grounded in you. And so I pray for every person that has made this confession today and made this profession by standing up and declaring, I need you, Jesus. May they be grounded in the identity of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Holy Spirit, fill them with your power and allow them to walk as sons and daughters of the Most High God. May they never forget whose they are. And when they walk, may they walk understanding that it is God the Father, Abba Father, who fights and goes before us. Lord, may they that have had broken relationships with their earthly father have a new and beautiful relationship with their heavenly father. For those that have had broken relationships on this earth, have a relationship with the Holy Ghost today. And I pray today that while we are, are cursed and, and, and mocked by man, that we would care only about one man, that's Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose again for us, and care what he thinks. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Just stay standing for just a moment. This series has meant a lot to me. I hope it is invested in you. And there's nothing that God wants more than to continue to, to allow you to know Him. He already knows you. He knows you. He knows every hair on your head. And the number that fell off this week. He knows all about that. But you know what he really longs for? Personal time. Would you commit this week to taking a little extra time with God than you normally do? And watch how he will allow you to, come, to, to find your identity in him this week. Amen?